And then we are going to talk about anger management. Now, I have to uh, introduce this by saying, you know, I don't do sermons. You know, I had this teacher a long time ago who said that, yeah, you know, if you really want to impress your congregation, you need to memorize your sermon and then deliver it with great enthusiasm while holding a Bible in your hand so that they can see that you take the Bible seriously. And I backed him up right away. I said, I'm not really interested in impressing my congregation. That's not what we're here for. And so I, that's why I don't use that method. I have lots of notes because I was ADD long before ADD was ever invented. And I'll go down uh, rabbit trails if I don't have notes. But basically what you get from me is an illustrated Bible study. I don't like to do the typical sermons because I think they're, if I would stand here and give you a memorized 20 minute speech, it would be a waste of my time and yours. So I think uh, uh, illustrated Bible studies a better way to go. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, I've said before, I spent five years living in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has some pretty strange expressions. You can see this map of Oklahoma, you see where Tulsa is in the upper right corner, that's where I lived. I lived in a suburb of Tulsa called Jenks, in a trailer. So there I was, living in a trailer court in a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, it was quite an experience. Now, the first summer I lived there, I worked at a place called Southern Hills Country Club. So if you're into golf, you've probably heard of it. They have masters there and different things. My job there was installing irrigation equipment. The people that I worked with were real Okies, as they call them. They were basically Okie hillbillies. And they had a really thick accent that baffled me. I had to learn it because I had to deliver packages later, so I had to start talking that way. But it's, it's very different. And the people from Oklahoma can tell if you're from Texas or Oklahoma or Georgia or Oklahoma. I can't tell the difference. Me, one Southern is the same as all of them, but they could tell. But they had a lot of strange expressions. Like we were working in that golf course and, and it was particularly busy one day and one of my co-workers said, man, it's so crowded here. Can't hardly swing a dead cat without hitting somebody. And I've never quite forgotten that expression of swinging a dead cat without hitting somebody. Another one is when they get angry with each other, they'd say, you best shut up or I'm going to whoop you upside the head with a tar tool. Uh, I had no idea what a tar tool was. Is that something that you smooth roads out with? but it's tire, but they call it a tar tool, just like a pair of pliers is a pair of plars. And uh, they have their own interesting way. But in particularly frustrating situations, they say, well, that'd make a preacher swear. And I always thought that was an interesting one too. And of course, those of you who know me know that I've gotten so holy that I can't do that at all. I have to hire somebody to swear for me. You see, but no, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But you know, our culture, our American culture, tends to glorify anger. We like people who can have little fits and temper tantrums and all that. Um, every year at Christmas, 
my sons and I watched the Godfather series. And this particular, if you've seen the Godfather, you know this is Sonny Corleone, and he has a terrible temper. He punches holes in walls and uh, does all kinds of things. And it's his temper that gets him tricked into going to a place where he gets killed. His temper was a weakness that was perceived by his enemies and ended up causing his death. And then a little bit more contemporary uh, shows, Yellowstone. Boy, those folks got tempers like crazy. They're always punching walls and they're drinking heavily and they get into physical fights. And we kind of like to watch that. We kind of like seeing that sort of thing. Now, I was raised by somebody who had a streak of being a provocateur. And a provocateur is a, is a person who deliberately behaves controversially in order to provoke argument or other strong reactions. That's the dictionary definition. But my dad had a streak of that in him. He would tell stories of how he got people to lose their cool with great delight. He found that to be terribly amusing. He'd laugh and laugh and laugh about it. And he enjoyed pushing my buttons like crazy. I would get so furious in conversations with him. And, uh, well, you know, he was good at pushing my buttons because he installed them all. So he knew just exactly what to do to, you know, get me going. And it worked. And then one day my brother says to me, why do you let him do that to you? And that was all it took that I realized, hey, he's got a game going on here. But it made me realize, too, that I could choose my response. That I can choose how I'm going to respond to provocateurs to anyone. Now, when I was younger, I had a major anger problem. It's not nearly as bad now, but I think that's because I'm old and my testosterone's dropped. But, you know, it does happen to us all. that We tend to mellow with age a little bit. And along the way, I've learned some things about anger management, too. I still haven't mastered it, but I've learned some things. I've learned that anger is caused by unmet expectations. People, we have put expectations on people or events. They don't turn out the way we expect, and so we get angry. And I've learned that the anger is always a choice. We always choose to be angry. You can't make me mad. I have to get mad on my own. I have to choose to respond in that way. So I just wanted to ask if any of you have ever had an issue with anger, and I can't even look at you when I ask that. You know, because we all have had times where we've had anger. So it's Lent now. Be a good thing to give up for Lent is anger. Be a good thing to give it up for good. And it is possible to get rid of most of your anger if you want to. That's what we're going to look at. Now, we just finished the Bible study of the book of Jeremiah. And most of the English versions of Jeremiah portray God as being very angry, particularly with the people of Judah and Israel. I had to take issue with that. I think that's the author's interpretation. Uh, or it could be just how they translate it into English. Because the Hebrew word that describes God's mood, if you would, it can be much, there's a much broader interpretation of it than anger. It, it can be used as grief and as disappointment. 
I think in Jeremiah in particular, God is grieved and disappointed by the behavior of his creatures, by, by us. And I think he's still disappointed in our behavior at times. We're going to look at some Bible passages about anger today. There's an awful lot of them, and I, I'm not going to cover them all, but there's some that are key, and that's the ones we're going to take a look at today. First from Ephesians chapter 4. This is a classic verse. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, anger kind of sneaks in, and you've got to try to get rid of it when it sneaks in. It tries to sneak in daily, and you have that choice always of how you're going to respond to it. You don't have to be controlled by anger at all. Change your expectations and your anger will subside. And if you're angry, you're not being rational. And when you're irrational, you know, irrationality is like candy for the devil and his minions. He sees you in an irrational mood. He swoops in. He doesn't waste any time. He'll come for you and his goal is to make you miserable. He's the ultimate provocateur. It gives him pleasure to see you suffer. And so he'll do whatever he can to make that happen. We're going to look at some uh, verses from Proverbs now. Here's Proverbs 4.23. We used this last week too. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Last week I used this to guard your heart from melancholia. This week, from anger. Don't let anger in. And when it sneaks in, get rid of it. Guard your heart against anger. And notice how it words this. Guard your heart above all else. You have to make that a top priority, not to let this poison into you. All right, and then a little further down the road in Proverbs, there's another good one here. It says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. And in a way, this is, this is self-explanatory. It helps to understand the Hebrew way of looking at sin. Okay, to the Hebrew person, sin was foolish or destructive behavior. Behavior that trips you up in this life, embarrasses you, embarrasses God, that sort of thing. The wise person avoids that. The foolish person indulges in that. Sin is foolish behavior to the Hebrew mindset. You know, and so if you're explosively angry, if you, as my mother used to say, have a fit and fall in it, that is foolish behavior. It shows lack of wisdom. It shows immaturity. It's just not a good thing. And here we have from Proverbs 15, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make, make tempers flare. Now, you can really calm people down quite easily. When somebody yells at you, don't yell back. What I usually do, especially if I'm in a hurry, is I'll just say, yep, you're right. I just agree with them, whatever they're yelling at me for. And, you know, I have three daughters and a wife, so I get yelled at a lot. And 
I just say, yep, you're right. Then I apologize because my pride is not worth a temper flaring. Plus, you can't reason with an angry person. So it's best to just lay down your verbal sword and forget about it. You know, last time I got thoroughly yelled at was, well, this week. Somebody disagreed with something I said online, and I just kind of welcomed that. It was an angry phone call. And I just said, well, you know, sometimes I do stupid things. I apologize. Then they were happy, and it went away. A gentle answer does deflect anger. I... Uh, well, admit to you that the gentle answer was not my first thought, but it, I was able to control that. All right, here's another one we looked at last week. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. See, anger is contagious. You don't want to emulate John Dutton from Yellowstone. You don't want to have that kind of anger with you all the time. Instead of admiring and emulating angry people, avoid them. Or you will become like them. And that endangers your soul by robbing you of peace. A peaceful soul is never an, ang is never an angry soul. And then one more from Proverbs. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, there's a lot of psychology that's divided on this. You know, it's common thought, oh, you need to get this off your chest. Well, no, you don't. I would challenge that. You won't die if you hold your anger back. It will dissipate. I... I know that the girls aren't like this. Well, mine were. But, you know, when you get to junior high, or they call it middle school now, quite often have burping contests. Any of you ever had those? Ah, I see it. You know, and, and it's kind of, the school I went to, we had study hall, and you could get a pass and go down to the, the, uh, the dining room, and there was a pop machine in there. And we would guzzle a can of pop as fast as we could, and then have burping contests. And we thought it was the coolest thing. I could burp the Star Spangled Banner. It was, it was fun, you know? But I've you know, realized that you don't have to burp out loud. You know, I still burp. I mean, everybody in this room does. We're all sinners, and all sinners burp. That's just a fact. But the thing is, you can let it out quietly and politely, and nobody has to know. It's the same with anger. You don't have to put it on display. You don't have to do like we did in junior high and stand on the tables in the kitchen and belch as loud as possible. You can let it out quietly and inobtrusively. One more from Proverbs. As the beating of cream yields butter, and striking the nose causes bleeding, so stirring up anger causes quarrels. Now, I realize most people don't know that butter comes from cream, but my grandmother had a churn where she made her own butter, and it was white. And we always asked 
you know, I was always afraid of her butter because it wasn't yellow. Because butter is supposed to be yellow. And then she explained to me that the butter you buy in the store has food coloring in it to make it yellow. But butter is naturally white. And I didn't, you know, I learned that too. But she would occasionally let me spin the crank on that butter churn. And sure enough, the, the butter would form around there. And what was left, she called buttermilk. And she would make this dish called Kanamelisapop. And it was the worst thing you could ever eat. <laughs> she would take that buttermilk and boil barley in it until the barley was mush. And then she would, she would get and act like it was a treat. Pour maple syrup in it and uh, put raisins in it. It was awful. And the days that she served it, our dogs got a treat. But I had one dog that would go in another room if I'd set a bowl of that on the floor. He, just, he had good taste. But, you know, beating cream produces butter and striking the nose produces blood. And uh, it's not a wise thing to do. You don't want to be a provocateur. You don't want to stir up anger. Because it makes life miserable for you and for those around you. Stir up anger and you are unconsciously serving the devil. Then there's, back to Ephesians chapter 4, it says, always be humble and gentle. <clears throat> be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Again, a powerful verse. But we get angry with people because of their decisions to do things that we don't like. Like parking too close to your car. That's one thing that always frosts my flakes. And I have to realize that sometimes people are in a hurry and they can't do it. You know, so they park too close and I can't get in my car. I suppose I could lose 50 pounds and make that a little easier too. But, you know, he's saying here, Paul is saying, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. In other words, change your expectations. Now, I said that in the first service today. A, a woman came up to me and said, she's been going to AA for years and years. And she says, uh, the AA definition of expectation is premeditated resentment. And I thought, that's kind of cool. So I had to write it down. Um, I think it makes sense. You know, we expect people to behave in a certain way and we resent it when they don't. And that's the root cause of, of our anger. There's a local hamburger place that I, I've gone to frequently. And uh, I always order a hamburger, not a cheeseburger. Okay? Just, I don't want cheese and I don't want mayonnaise. And I always tell them that. They say, you want cheese on that? No. And I'm pretty emphatic. Plus, the sandwich is 50 cents cheaper without the cheese. You know, they always put cheese on it. Every time. Now, I used to go back and make them reorder, but I, I don't do that anymore because I'm afraid they're going to spit in my hamburger. So I, I don't do that. But, you know, I had to change my expectations. I know they charge less for a regular burger, and now I look at it as well. Sometimes I'm just blessed with free cheese. You know, but little things like that, once you change your perspective, once you change your expectations, 
the anger goes away. A perspective of gratitude always changes your response. So I've learned quite a bit about anger management over the years. The, the big one is to change expectations. That's the number one thing, whether it's you're dealing with your kids, whether you're dealing with your parents, whether you're dealing with your extended family, if you change the expectations, it changes everything and you're not angry all the time. Anger is a chosen response and you can respond differently. Now, um, self-help books have been huge in helping me deal with this. There's one book I bought, and I think I bought my fifth copy because I loaned them out, and I forget who I loaned them to. But um, I'm going to make a couple of recommendations of some self-help books today, uh, just because I think they're, they're not particularly Christian books. They're secular, but they have a lot of principles in them that are very helpful. The first one is this one, and this is the, kind of the grandfather of it. Albert Ellis is a top dog as far as psychiatry goes in this country. He uh, is credited with changing psychotherapy more than even Sigmund Freud. So he's, you know, he's kind of a big dog, and the book is How to Control Your Anger Before It Controls You. And it has a lot of really practical things in it. My criticism of this book is it's a little academic. You almost need to have a dictionary sitting beside you as you're going through it because uh, he is a psychiatrist, an MD psychiatrist, and uh, sometimes his language is, you just can't understand it. Now, if you want something that's almost as good, but much more practical, it's this one. Simply anger management for dummies. And that one has got lots of good principles in it. And you can't borrow my copy. I don't loan them out anymore because I only never have them when I need them. But it's really a, a helpful thing. And, it's, and that one's fairly cheap. You can get it on Amazon or wherever. And uh, it's just very practical. So those are the two that I recommend for you. Um, we have to face fact that anger makes life miserable. You know, it affects our relationship with people in our lives. It affects our effectiveness at work. And it affects your soul and your relationship with God. So we need to work at reducing it. My goal is to give up anger permanently. But we can start by reducing anger for Lent. Or maybe give it up for good. Because it can be done. You know, the world is a much better place if we don't have to carry anger around with us. It's, life is so much easier, so much better. And since anger is a choice, let's choose to get rid of it. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we've all been angry and unjustifiably so. We've all sinned and we confess that to you. And ask that through your Holy Spirit you will guide us into an anger-free life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.